episode four of the Big Gold Belt Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. This is Dr. M joining you today alongside Mr. Aaron. How are you doing, sir? I'm tremendous. I am full of espresso and coffee right now. It is uh, the Sunday of Memorial Day weekend, and I need a little bit to keep me going. So I'm ready. I'm here. Uh, let's do this. Excellent. You got your coffee. You must be ready to talk about uh, Mr. Kevin Owens here. Kevin Owens is the hot topic of the week, isn't he? Indeed he is. There seems to be uh, some uh, some discussion, a lot of discussion, I would say, about him as of late with his, of course, upcoming match with uh, the poster boy of WWE, Mr. John Cena, at the Elimination Chamber. Uh, there seems to be a split, wouldn't you say, between people who think uh, Kevin Owens is going to be another victim of Cena and... Uh, the faithful few who think he's going to uh, somehow come out on top. What, what's your take on this? Well, I definitely can see why people, whether they're a fan of him or not, are worried because what we've seen John Cena do to a lot of up-and-comers over the past decade plus. Um, I myself am also concerned because I, I think back to so many different matches where... We were sure he was going to put a guy over because John Cena can eat a thousand losses the rest of his career and he'll still be fine. Um, but they would put him over right. anyways. Um, um, Celis and I the other night were talking about when I want to say this was oh gosh what did it, was it oh nine or two thousand ten when they did the Nexus angle? Do you remember what year that was? I want to think that was twenty ten. Okay, so. It made all the sense in the world for the Nexus to go over in that SummerSlam. Um, I want to say it was a seven-on-seven seven match. And, yeah, I think you're right. And they lost that. It was still a really cool match. Uh, Daniel Bryan made his comeback after being let go from the company. Um, but then you fast-forward to Survivor Series of the same year, and like I said on the last episode, Way Barrett was just smoking white hot. And he goes up against Randy Orton with John Cena as the ref at Survivor Series, and... They don't put him over, and then Wade Barrett kind of fizzled out and became kind of a, I don't know. I don't want to call him the king of the ring, even though he is. I don't think it's like going to stick very well and mean anything in the grand scheme of things, but that's just an example of um, them having somebody hot and not having Cena put them over and do the right thing for business. So I'm also worried. I think that they are going to put Kevin Owens over. We can kind of get more into that in a little bit, but uh, what's your take on it? You, you sound more positive than I do in the discussions you and I have had both on air and privately. Yeah, man. You know, I, I have to say I've been encouraged uh, the last couple of weeks by the, the U.S. Open challenges on Raw. Um, obviously, Sami Zayn didn't come out on top in his match with, with Cena, but, uh, you know, the, the quality of the match and the respect Cena showed I think was a good sign. And then, of course, when... Uh, Owens came on Raw a couple weeks ago and and really made a statement. Uh, you know, I'm encouraged by stuff like that. At the same time, you know, that was a heel getting the upper hand um, on Raw. So I think there is at least a little cause to be concerned about what might happen at Elimination Chamber. Yeah, I don't know though. I don't know though, man. You know, I something seems very different to me about Mr. Kevin Owens. You know. Um, I think he, along with guys like Finn Balor, these guys are going to be money makers for WWE. I fully expect to see them at WrestleMania next year. Um, 
somewhere in a, a very prominent role on the card. Uh, you know, I, I think one of the the thing many there are many things that work for Kevin Owens. One of them being um, the guy's got charisma. Um, and you know, when I think of Kevin Owens as a late, I, I often think about Brock Lesnar too. And I'll tell you why. When Brock Lesnar has a match when he comes to the ring from his entrance to that final pinfall, I'm glued to the TV. And I find that I'm having the same uh, experience with Kevin Owens. When that music hits, when uh, he gets in that ring, um, I, he has my undivided attention. I can't say that for every guy in NXT right now. I can't say that, certainly can't say that for every guy on the main roster. So there's that's something special about him that it would seem to me WWE would be foolish to have him go down, at least cleanly, to Cena. I don't know. What do you think about that? A um, couple of things. Let me backtrack real quick. You talked about um, the good things that the U.S. title open is doing every week on Raw, and I definitely agree with that. It's interesting to see, assuming John Cena... Well, let me ask this first. Is the title on, is John Cena's U.S. title on the line at Elimination Chamber next Sunday, or is it a non-title match? You know what? I want to think the title is on the line. We'll have to um, we'll have to confirm that before we do our preview episode this week. But what is interesting yeah, about it, like I feel like, so he won it at Mania, and then I want to say the first he did the first challenge the night after Mania this year, and I want to say it was Dean Ambrose that answered the call, and then you had Stardust come out. Uh, Neville's done it. Um, poor Heath Slater's tried to do it, but has not been successful in a couple opportunities but now you've had Sami Zayn and you've had Kevin Owens come out um I don't think you can go back to having a guy like Stardust as much as I love Cody Rhodes come back out and answer the bell anymore because it's gonna look a little deflating compared to some of the other guys that have come out um I just wanted to to throw that out there we can talk about that more in the future but it's interesting that you mentioned um the comparison to Brock Lesnar I definitely agree that he has that that certain something. When he stood next to Cena in the ring, I don't think size is going to be an issue for Kevin Owens like it will be for someone like a Finn Balor or a Sami Zayn who, you know, regardless of what their height is, they're just not built as strong or as tough yeah. or as largely. So I think Kevin Owens looks like he belongs. But let me, I wrote down a list of guys here. Brock Lesnar is on that list. And I want to see if you can tell me what they all have in common. So I wrote down Brock, Brock Lesnar... The Ultimate Warrior, Bill Goldberg, Bruno Sammartino, John Cena, Bob Backlund, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, The Undertaker, Kane, and The Big Show. And I'm more referring to The Big Show back in the early to mid-90s when he was called The Giant. What do all those guys have in common, in your opinion? Wow, that's, that's quite the list. Yes. Um, I think the I think the one person in that list that sort of throws me off is Bob Backlund because my my initial response was going to be you know these guys that you mentioned are kind of those larger than life characters in more ways than one um, and that's no disrespect to Bob Backlund I mean the guy was amazing but uh, I wouldn't I don't know I don't know I wouldn't kind of lump him in that larger than life category I don't think. Um, they all have they all have it, for sure. Um, and you know we can talk forever about what it means, right? I think that's 
a recurring question in WWE, especially with all these guys coming in from the indies who are obviously excellent in the ring, but there's some question about if they have that it factor. Um, yeah, that's that's a tricky one, man. I I don't know what what's your take. What do you what would you say they have in common? Well, what I was going for, I definitely think that they the majority of them do have that larger than life persona. I think Bob Backlund probably did if you grew up when he was in his heyday in the uh, the 70s and the 80s, and I guess to a certain extent the early 90s because he was a WWF champion, uh, winning the belt from Bret Hart, if I'm not mistaken. But what all these guys have in common is that they've been booked strongly, and they were booked pretty strongly from the outset. Bob Backlund held the title ah. for several years. Bruno Sammartino was like a champion for eight years in the WWF. All of these guys were booked strongly, um, they were protected. If they lost, they lost in a way that benefited um, both them as well as their opponent. Kevin Owens debuts on NXT TakeOver in December, and he has a very strong victory, um, busting his nose open. I think that was a good thing. It made him look tougher against um, CJ Parker, who's no longer involved with the company. And then in the, after the main event, he makes the biggest impression of all, destroying his longtime best friend, Sami Zayn, winning the title two months later on the next TakeOver special. And he's been booked incredibly strongly. He's decimated and destroyed Sami Zayn multiple times while still remaining um, a heel, still giving um, descriptions for his motivation of doing it for his family, but doing things that aren't necessary sometimes, you know, really taking that extra jab in on his opponent or um, running a guy down when not necessary, trying to take guys out for the long term. So he's been booked strongly. So if you job him out to Cena and then send him back to look like this dominating figure on NXT, I don't think that that's going to work, nor will it benefit him in the long term. Seems like sometimes what they try to do with Cena, they'll have a guy coming up and they'll put him against Cena and they'll have him eat a loss or several losses in the case of a Bray Wyatt or a Rusev. And then they try to see yeah. what, what can you do to come back from that. But I don't necessarily think that's on the wrestlers sometimes. I think it's on creative and on the booking um, end of things to keep those guys protected, especially in the infancy of their character development. So I think when we all yeah. say we worry about um, Kevin Owens, it's not anything to do with what he can do. I think he's only continuing to get better, but if you want him to be one of those great guys like we all think he can be, he needs to be booked properly. And I think that, that means a win over John Cena. What would be interesting, and I want to see if you think this is even in the realm of possibility, have him have a semi-competitive match much like the one Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens just had, but then have Kevin Owens just take him out mm -hmm. just like he did to Zayn. Do you think that they would go there? I see that as a definite possibility. And uh, I know this is something that... Uh, the rest of the folks in our crew are going to have a hot debate about when we do our Elimination Chamber preview show um, in a couple days from now. Um, but uh, I, I agree with you, Aaron. I think that's going to be uh, one of the, that's definitely one of the top booking choices I would make for sure. I, I just don't see Kevin Owens losing clean at the Elimination Chamber. That seems like a horrible, horrible booking move to make. I think if he does lose, it might be by disqualification, right? Something that uh, will still preserve his uh, his integrity um, and his his uh, momentum right now. Um, you made an interesting point though about um, Owens possibly taking out Cena 
much like he's done to Sami Zayn the last couple NXT TakeOver pay-per-views. I think at some point soon, that scenario is going to get played out. I almost think it's played out already. Right? I think as the NXT champion, Kevin Owens needs a decisive pinfall victory, um, either at an NXT TakeOver or you know, in, as some sort of big stage event. I doubt he's going to get that decisive victory against Cena at Elimination Chamber, but uh, obviously he's being built as a monster by sort of taking Sami Zayn out to the point where he can't continue matches. Right? But I don't know, as a fan, I, I want to see a very emphatic, definitive victory from Kevin Owens, you know? I, it's going to be interesting to see because you could really get a lot of mileage out of this thing with Cena. Like, when they started the U.S. Open, US title Open, where I pictured it going was having Cena defeat all comers and you get to WrestleMania, you have Owens drop the title to somebody else, the NXT title at some point, and have him be the guy that takes on Cena at Mania and have him put Kevin Owens over. Um, but it seems like they're starting it a lot earlier than I would have. And maybe this is part of the Kevin Owens build that I, you know, grant, I'm not on the creative team for a reason, I guess. But wouldn't it be interesting if Kevin Owens got himself DQ'd, like you said, and then he's going to take on Finn Balor as his next challenger. And I can't imagine they're going to do another TakeOver special if they followed the format of how they did him last year. It wouldn't be till um, late August at this point or early September. And wouldn't yeah, it be interesting like if they didn't let Balor get his title match to them? Because you also have Samoa Joe in the mix um, yeah. saying he wants a piece of Kevin Owens. And have Kevin Owens just continue to duck these guys, continue to beat them up, continue to disrespect them, and then... Cena wants his revenge because Kevin Owens had a DQ um, finish at the pay-per-view coming up. And Kevin Owens says, no, 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 I'm going to fight you on my own terms. I don't want your title. I step on your title. I spit on your title. Yeah. And have um, have Cena kind of join forces. Wouldn't it be cool to see some sort of a multi-man tag match at SummerSlam? You have Cena and Samoa Joe and Finn Balor making maybe his official WWE pay-per-view debut against a Kevin Owens and maybe a Tyler Breeze and maybe some sort of a heel from the main roster, cough, cough, Bray Wyatt, cough, cough. Um, I think that could be really cool. And I think it's it's interesting that they're starting to, if they were to go that route, and that's just me fantasy booking here, but it's interesting to see that they're starting to blur the lines between what's NXT, what's the main roster, um, and you kind of dabble with that. I think it helps get them a barometer to see who's really ready to sink or swim. So you don't have a case. Sure. You don't have a case like an Adam Rose or a Bo Dallas where they get them up there and a they're not integrated into the storyline. They don't know necessarily what to do with them. And b they can also just see if they if what they do in NXT at full sale translates to what they can do in an arena of ten thousand plus. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I think. Uh... Yeah, your, your fantasy booking um, would certainly be a lot of fun. I mean, all those kind of different styles in one match, that would certainly make <laughs> for an entertaining show for sure. Um, let me ask you this, Aaron, about uh, sort of Kevin Owens and how he and the NXT Championship are being booked right now. Um, I kind of like the fact that Kevin Owens always seems involved and fused with multiple people at one time. Right, but uh, I'm a little on the fence about how that's affecting the NXT title um, because 
this is the second time I think now that Finn Balor is the number one contender for the championship, and maybe it's just me, but it—he's it, almost getting overshadowed a bit, you know, now by Samoa Joe, right? Um, whereas the last time he won, the or the last time he became number one contender, uh, you know, he sort of got a, a championship match on a regular edition of NXT. It didn't seem to get the height that I, I think was warranted there. And so uh, I guess my question to you is, you know, with this booking of the NXT title, and it's again, it seems like Finn Balor is kind of ensnared in, you know, feuding with Kevin Owens when Owens is busy with some other folks as well. I don't know. What do you make of that? It's in, Yeah, the I remember the first title match. It was booked at one of those Ohio uh, NXT shows. I want to say it was Columbus or even Cleveland. And yeah, it did feel like a throwaway. It was right before WrestleMania. You didn't think they were going to actually switch the title um, on a show that felt sort of buried in the grand scheme of the week of wrestling there. Um, I don't mind Balor getting another shot at it. I think that they could build the story for a lot longer term as, instead of making it feel more like a throwaway match. Um, yeah. I don't know... I don't know how it necessarily reflects on the title, especially when you have your NXT champion mixed up with a mid-card champion on the main roster, maybe in, in some ways that elevates the title that, that their champion is seen on the same plateau as a John Cena. Um, I would like to think that this Balor storyline is kind of, um, maybe they weren't necessarily, maybe they were going to go with him as the next contender. Maybe they weren't. That Hideo Itami injury, um, from what I read online, seemed to indicate that they, they kind of had to do some plan B booking because I think they wanted to feud Hideo Itami with a Finn Balor um, and have that be kind of a long-term thing. I guess we'll kind of see where they go with it after Elimination Chamber, which already feels like rushly booked, but it's going to be kind of an exciting mess to watch. Um, I guess I'm more on the wait-and-see approach. I agree with you that if they if they continue to not have more focal-focused, um, defined feuds for the title and have them be about the title with some personal elements thrown in there, too. I think that they they risk making that title seem less important, which we've seen them do with the Intercontinental Championship and the U.S. Championship for many, many years, which I think once they take that U.S. title off of John Cena, if it's not on somebody like a Kevin Owens, I think you're going to see it go back to the... Um, less than important place that it once existed. I th- I don't know if they necessarily know how to manage titles very well. I think the Divas title means a lot more than it did a couple years ago. I think the world title, now that it's been combined, um, when they had the match with Cena and Orton uh, in December of 2013 at TLC, I believe, I think that means something. I think the tags titles are starting to mean something again. We're getting a lot of great tag team wrestling, so... I'm hoping they're starting to figure out how to use those to a positive to make guys instead of have them be throwaways. Yeah, these these mid card titles uh, seem to always be up or down. You know, they're either hot or they're ice cold. Um, and I agree. I, I'm curious to see where uh, what WWE does after Cena eventually loses the belt because uh, you know I got to hand it to him and you know the creative team they they are making that U.S. title feel very important, uh, but somebody has to sort of carry the flame after Cena loses it, and that's going to be, 
a tough act to follow for sure. It is. Let let um, me let me ask you another question, man. Um, yeah. I think back to what the Intercontinental title used to be. You think back to WrestleMania three, and you, the best match on the card was Steamboat Savage. Savage um, drops the Intercontinental title, and then he wins the world title at WrestleMania four a year later. The Intercontinental title was seen as that kind of last step to really making a guy and putting him in the world title picture. Do you see, um, would you consider the mid-card titles in WWE today um, as significant of a stepping stone to a main event or a world title status as you would the NXT title? That's a great question, and I think my answer would be no. Um, I think back on the last few Intercontinental Champions, um, and that, that belt has been a bit of a hot potato as of late, uh, for lack of a better term. And uh, it seems like the guys who've held it, and of course, a lot of guys, Wade Barrett, Daniel Bryan, they've unfortunately suffered some pretty nasty injuries over the years. Um, but the, the title hasn't, uh, hasn't really done much. And same with the U.S. title. I mean, Dean Ambrose, right, held it for, what, almost a year? Over a year. And Over a year. Yeah. yeah. And so what follows after that? Well, he did kind of get into a, a very nice, um, high-profile feud with Seth Rollins. But that, that seemed to end before it really kind of got going, at least to me. And then he ended up in that horrible feud with Bray Wyatt that did nothing for either guy. It was awful. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, I, I certainly don't see the mid-card titles as stepping stones anymore, and I think you're right. They they de- definitely had that that prestige, you know, back in the days of Steamboat and Savage, but uh, that's been lost. Uh, uh, you know, who I think one of the mid-card belts would be excellent for a guy like Bray Wyatt right now, uh, because I think of everybody in WWE, his booking is what constantly mystifies me. Um, the fact that uh, he gets into these usually interesting um, high-profile feuds with, with top guys, and then they kind of wrestle a few times, and then it, it stops, and then all of a sudden he's uh, attacking someone else. And I think he would be probably my top candidate if I was booking. And again, this is me fantasy booking now. He would be a, sort of a top candidate for one of those secondary titles. I think he would do a great job with it. Why? Why is he not in the elimination chamber? I I pulled up the IC uh, just the match list because I didn't know who was in the chamber match because it's being so sure. rush booked I can't keep up. So in the IC title chamber match we have Sheamus, Ryback, R Truth, Barrett, Rusev, and Ziggler. Um, it's really too bad they couldn't have found a way to get Bray in there. Um, it would not just like whether he won the title or not is sort of relevant, but how cool would it be to see him in a chamber match? Just the way he works, I think it would be, it would be fun to see him go in there and tangle with a guy like Sheamus, who you wouldn't necessarily see him in a feud with right now. But it would be fun to see those two go. Um, who is Bray Wyatt feuding with right now? You know, I'm not sure if he's still in the feud with Ryback. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't, considering how quick his feuds seem to go. It seems uh, like Ryback's kind of getting more mixed up in um, feuding with like some of these guys going after the IC title, because I guess that's why he's in the match. But like, uh, I watched, um, I fast-forwarded, fast-forward watched SmackDown this morning, 
And um, he had a match with Dean Ambrose again in the main event. It was actually a great little match. Um, Dean Ambrose won via shenanigans. Um, Mm -hmm. I just, you've got a guy that does so many great things. He could be a modern-day Undertaker, and I don't need, I, I should be able to tell you who he's feuding with right now, and the fact that I can is a problem. Oh, I agree. I agree. And uh, the more I think about it, the more I'm starting to feel that, uh, you know, maybe the Wyatt family should not have been broken up. Yeah. Uh, Because, I mean, what are what are Luke Harper and Eric Rowan doing now? They're kind of in many ways sort of fading into obscurity. They're not even involved in the uh, the tag team elimination. Which doesn't. Yeah. If they're going to put them back together, what better way to kind of solidify them as a tag team again than to put them in that match. They don't have to win the thing. Um, I read, I haven't I haven't paid attention to their matches very closely, but I heard that they're starting to do the 3D as their finish. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think that's kind of hilarious. <laughs> Wonder what that could be practicing. <laughs> I would love to see after they do the 3D, I want to see Eric Rowan do the uh, the OK sign, like blessing sign of the cross thing that Devon used to do. I think that would be a nice touch. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it's funny because uh, it seems like uh, on Twitter, Bully Ray, Bubba Ray Dudley, whatever you want to call him, is constantly getting questions about, uh, you know, the possibility of he and Devon returning to turning to the WWE and putting someone through a table. So uh, do it. you never know what, what could come of that. <laughs> I kind of thought that they were going to do that at Mania this year because you had um, the Ascension come in and start taking people out and looking strong. And I believe they, they had a match with the New Age Outlaws on a pre-show of a pay-per-view. It would have been kind of cool to see them keep calling people out and then have the Dudley boys answer the bell and have them do a match at Mania. It could be like a quick little four-minute match, but... It doesn't hurt anybody to get in the ring with the Dudley boys. Um, conversely, they've done nothing but bury no, the Ascension and made them look weak, and it's it's sad. I hope they have a nice showing at the Chamber next Sunday, but I don't expect much. Yeah, you know, I have to say that uh, even though this Chamber pay-per-view uh, is, I agree, kind of hastily thrown together, I think the match I'm... Actually, I'm looking forward to a number of the matches. I think the tag team chamber match is going to be excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Cena Owens will be uh, a spectacle at the very least. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we'll get into more details about this, obviously, on our preview show coming up soon. But uh, same with, with Rollins and Ambrose. Those guys have, obviously, instant chemistry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, And you've got a triple, triple be... threat for the Divas title, too, which I... Absolutely. I don't know if you had a chance to watch SmackDown, but Paige and uh, Naomi were cutting a promo on each other, and it was like good stuff. They were really going for it, like hitting some some personal notes. Like there was one line Paige said, was like, "I congratulate you on finally becoming relevant." Like that's awesome. Just more stuff yeah, like that, please. That, yeah. It's and then yeah. the, and then Naomi comes out and she's all like. Um, you know, I've never. She did her whole shtick about not getting opportunities, and she's like, "I'm not like you, where I get a title match my first night in the company, where I didn't deserve it, nor did I earn it." And I was like, "Man, they're going for it. This is. I can get into this. Like, and at the end of the day, that's what a good feud is. Like, it's built upon um, competition, and it's built upon issues that the audience can connect to. And I think we can all 
relate to somebody getting things that they don't earn or, you know, being competitive. Those are things I can latch on to pretty easily. Yeah, there's got to be some kind of personal personal issue driving the feud, I think. And, you know, I, I, unfortunately that seems to be missing. And this is not just WWE. This is, is kind of, I think, a number of, of wrestling promotions. You know, yeah, it's awesome to see an excellent high-quality match. But uh, I think that personal element really gets us uh, as fans invested in it. Uh, but what do I know? I'm just a civil fan. Um, <laughs> Let, let me ask you this, though, um, Aaron. Um, I want to think about. I want to think hypothetically about a year from now. Okay. Right. Um, so, the, are we talking like with the end point being WrestleMania, since we we kind of obsess over that? Yeah. Let's let's make WrestleMania the end point here. And by the and, way, just um, before you start, just for our listeners, we will yeah, be yeah. live in attendance in Dallas, Arlington, as we mentioned on the last episode. Uh, when you see the big group of dudes that are wearing white and orange t-shirts, that will be us. Go ahead and continue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think WWE is at a, a pretty high point right now in terms of, of talent, right? Both on the main roster and especially at NXT. I want to think sort of back to NXT for a moment and back to, I think, the more high-profile folks on the roster. Um, and let's for... For the time being, think about uh, Owens again, Finn Balor, Sami Zayn. Where do you see those three guys by WrestleMania? Oh, man. If if I were doing the booking, I the storyline I kind of mapped out earlier for Owens taking him to at least SummerSlam, um, I would like to see that kind of culminate with him taking the U.S. title off of Cena at WrestleMania, I think you could get so so many miles out of that. And then if he were to like definitively beat Cena, like clean, and then really rub it in, it would be interesting to see where you take a John Cena from there if we finally get that ever-wished that ever wished heel turn from John Cena. God forbid have him align with a Kevin Owens and have a new two-man power trip type of thing, but that's just complete insane fantasy booking. Um, a Sami Zayn, it, it sounds like he's going to be on the shelf for a while with that shoulder injury. I think that may be why they didn't end the feud with Kevin Owens with Sami Zayn kind of getting his uh, comeuppance against him and maybe getting the title back. You wonder if if instead they revisit that storyline and work it into Mania, if Kevin Owens were to somehow get the U.S. title earlier than Mania and then have Sami Zayn get his revenge, then I think that would be a cool storyline. Yeah. Um if that weren't the case, I would see Sami Zayn and Finn Balor maybe making their debut in a multi-man match similar to the uh, the one we had for the Intercontinental title at WrestleMania this year in um in a ladder match. Mm-hmm. Something like that. I don't know. You don't want to pull these guys off of the roster too soon because you don't want to damage the brand of NXT before you build up the next wave of talent. Um, I would like to see Samoa Joe maybe make more of a permanent place there instead of working so many indies because he could kind of take some of that spot and help carry the brand forward. Um, so if, if that's the case and they don't pull those guys off of the roster until well into late this year or early next year, I see um, the two guys that are not Kevin Owens being more in a multi-man type of match situation. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you on that one. I, I can definitely see... Uh, Finn Balor, for example, being part of some sort of multi-man match. If 
they choose to do a ladder match again or, or something similar. I could also, and this is sort of my insane booking, I could see uh, Finn Balor having a debut similar to uh, Mr. Fandango, <laughs> where uh, he gets his uh, he gets his big sort of main roster debut at Mania, and I think it would work better for Finn Balor, obviously, because we've seen him many times on, on NXT, and so we know who he is, whereas Fandango, he was just kind of coming out of nowhere for the most part, and you know, he was in there against Jericho, and, you know, Jericho can outshine just about anyone. Um, I have to say I'm a little concerned about Sami Zayn, um, you know, in terms of him, him being injury-prone. And obviously, you know, we the shoulder injury just seems to have come out of nowhere. It's very unfortunate. But uh, I wonder if – I wonder how that's sitting with – you know, the booking committee, you know, he's not the biggest guy on the roster. And, you know, I wonder if they're starting to be concerned about him. Like uh, there's obvious concern about Daniel Bryan right now. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see that. Um, I would like to think that it was kind of more of a fluke situation. I don't know if the reports that I read, and if you watch his, his uh, entrance at Raw in Montreal from a couple weeks ago, it seemed like he really tweaked it throwing his arm around, getting hyped, yeah. getting the crowd hyped up. Yeah. And so maybe it's just a fluke thing. I know that shoulder injuries sure. are tough to overcome. I, I've heard um, wrestlers talk about Randy Orton's um, stretching routine that he does. He starts stretching like two hours before he works. Um, and he does that because of that shoulder injury he suffered at Extreme Rules against Triple H. I think he had like a motorcycle accident and he had like broke his collarbone in that match with Triple H all within the same year. And so he has to, he takes care of himself very well in order to continue to have longevity of a career. And I just hope that they're educating these guys to help them find ways to preserve their health. And I think that he can take, he can take notice of the style Daniel Bryan was working on a night in, night out basis and maybe also tone the way that he works down too. Like I was saying on the last episode, sometimes less is more. Like you don't need to be flying around and move after move after move. Like it's okay to like, like I watch, I will. I watch a guy like Bray Wyatt or even Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens even does this well. Where like he'll hit a move and then he'll stare at the guy or he'll react and he'll let the crowd yeah. react. Like sometimes less is more to tell the story. So I hope that I hope it's just a fluke and I hope that he does make a comeback. I mean, he gets such great reactions, um, better than most of the main roster. So I think that there's definitely a place for him as long as he can find a way to stay healthy and stay relevant for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree with the less is more philosophy. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Mr. If I could be serious for a moment, Lance Storm. And, uh, <laughs> you know, one of the things I appreciate about him when he's, you know, commenting on not just WWE, but all wrestling, he always gives props to the uh, wrestlers who, who, you know, for example, work a body part consistently mm-hmm. throughout a match and, 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 you know, really sort of sell fans on the idea that, um, you know, they are making very calculated moves against their opponent. Uh, he said that specifically. I, I want to think about the uh, Sasha Banks-Becky Lynch match. Oh, yeah. From the, uh, last, from the last NXT TakeOver, how, you know, one of, the, I, one of the many things that made that match so great was that both ladies, uh, particularly Sasha, Right, uh, focused on 
you know, a body part and really focused on showing the crowd that, you know, this is how I'm hurting my opponent and this is going to have a big effect later on in the match, right? And uh, I think Lance Storm is right on point with kind of giving props to that. And, you know, it just makes me wonder. Um, and obviously everyone can't wrestle the same way. Then, you know, it would obviously be boring, but maybe some of those high-flyer, high-risk guys um, could work on in some way trying to infuse some sort of element like that into their their matches. It doesn't have to be anything extended, right? It doesn't have to happen every match, right? But uh, something to sort of take the strain off of, you know, those those nasty bumps they take. Yeah, man. Um, what was great about that match, too, just beside the fact that it was just technically such an awesome match, was that that's a way to have somebody lose and still come out better than they went in. Like, Becky Lynch is... Yeah. Definitely more solidified as um, a future main eventer in the Divas division because of that match. Um, and Sasha Banks looked great, too. We already knew she was great. Um, I think I would even put her above a Charlotte. And I'm wondering if them seeing how great Sasha Banks is, I wonder if that's why Charlotte hasn't been called up yet because they're not sure which one they want to bring up next. But mm-hmm. I would put Sasha above Charlotte. Um in the, inter- in the interest of time, let, let's hit with one more question going back to Kevin Owens because that was kind of our focus today. When we do our preview show in a couple of days, um, our friend Dwayne is going to explain the reasons why John Cena will destroy Kevin Owens and why Kevin Owens is not a future main eventer. I know you two disagreed about that um, pretty, pretty divisively on the uh, NXT review that we did in episode two. Trying to play devil's advocate here, why do you think, or what do you think Kevin Owens lacks or needs to improve in to get to a point where he's on the same tier as a John Cena on the main roster? What is he lacking, or what could he be doing better? You know, if I had to, to point out anything, and this would you know be really nitpicky at this point, uh, because he certainly has the in-ring ability, um, although, you know, he's being sort of depicted as this kind of brawler type guy um, in NXT and WWE, whereas, you know, check out, you know, some of his earlier work. He certainly has that mentality, but he's super versatile in the ring. Um, So I think if anything, he would probably need to just pick up the the mic skills, maybe just a little bit. Right. Um, And, you know, in terms of maybe just inserting a bit more, I don't know if passion is the right word, because you, the guy is a natural heel. You can see that in, in the way he interacted with Cena on, on Raw last week. Um, I don't know, there, there's just something about the promo, though, that I think could use a little work, and I can't quite put my finger on it at the moment. Um, but honestly, that's the only thing I'd say. I think he has all the tools to, to make money in WWE. And, you know, obviously there's, there's some, some very, uh, you know, long-term WWE fans that will say, well, he doesn't have the alleged Vince McMahon book, right. Of, you know, the, the chisel physique. Right. Um, and you know, it'll, it remains to be seen whether that works for or against him. I, I mean, I think, I think he should keep the look he has right now. I, I like to see some variety in the people I see on TV every week. Um, but I don't know. I think 
perhaps the promo skills would be the, the, the thing to work on. What, do you, what would you say? Um, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Um, in terms of the look thing, I don't think he needs to change his physique at all. We've seen guys work like that. Um, I think him and Bray Wyatt compare very well to a guy like Bam Bam Bigelow who wasn't completely yeah. shredded, but, man, they were big guys who could work and who could move and could, yeah. who could be athletic. Um, it would be interesting, though, to see him change his outfit game a little bit. Um, not that, like, like, I think he should still come out wearing the shorts, wearing the cutoff shirt most of the time because that's who we've grown to know Kevin Steen or Kevin Owens as like that's I always like when they try to keep the guys as authentic as possible but I look at a guy like Seth Rollins who came out wearing Kevlar vests and you know um, army boot type get up and then when he got into the main event when he was competing for the title he changed into like the Catwoman leather stuff and then when he won the title he's got one now that's um, completely emblazoned with gold and it's like that dude looks important that dude looks like money. That dude looks like a champion. So maybe it could yeah. be a case where Kevin Owen pulls kind of a Finn Balor card out of his book and just uh, spices up his look a little bit more for pay-per-views. Uh, maybe switches to more, I don't want to see the guy wearing traditional tights, but something like, like I harken back to a Steve Austin, his look was simple, but he had those awesome vests that he would break out and he would change and sometimes personalize for a feud. Um, I the other thing I wanted to revisit that you said, I think he's definitely more of a natural heel, and I think that he'll remain heel for quite a long time. But I think back to Steve Austin's feud with Bret Hart. He just Steve Austin in general at that point just looked like a mean dude, and Kevin Owens looks like a mean dude with the the spiky crew cut type of haircut and disgusting beard. But if he were to go against the right heel and run his mouth and not change a whole lot about what he does. He could really get over as a baby face um, of epic proportions. It would be really in- I just think there's so much potential, and he just is so different than anything we've seen in quite a long time. And I think that there's there's only good things to come. Um, I'm gonna be really. That's like the one thing though that I would agree with that Dwayne said a couple of days ago is that the look could improve. I don't think the physique needs to change a whole lot. So. Um, I guess kind of any parting words you wanted to offer before we signed off today? Uh, you know, I, I, I just, I'm particularly looking forward to, to Raw and SmackDown this week. I think, you know, when you look at the Elimination Chamber card, it, I, I agree with you, what you said earlier, that I think it's going to be an actual, a, a very fun show. Mm-hmm. But um, I think both sort of TV shows this, this week, there's, there's still some work to do. I think to, to really make this show feel like a must watch, right? And so I'm, I'll be curious to see sort of how Raw and SmackDown are booked this week. And I, and I think it might be a type of booking that we are going to have to adjust to as fans in the network era, because I could see, I could see them rolling out a lot of old pay-per-view type gimmicks or names that they haven't dusted off in a while. I could see like when we're in kind of the lull of the fall, like October, like we have, um, the cell match pay-per-view and we have survivor series come up. I could see them busting out a Halloween havoc and having some sort of a, sort of a cage match or some sort of a scary style match come up. Like there's a lot of things they could do that could be throwbacks that don't need to maybe don't require the full on long-term booking, but I hope that that that's not lost for more of the bigger shows like money in the bank, SummerSlam, uh, rumble, WrestleMania, that type of thing. So 
it'll be interesting. Um, we'll come back at you guys. I think we're looking at maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, somewhere in there for our preview show for the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. Um, I'll let you sign us off, Doctor. All right, sir. Well, thank you guys for, for listening to us on our fourth episode here. Uh, please, we, we encourage you to follow us on Twitter at BGB Group. Check out our Facebook page, The Big Gold Belt, and uh, we welcome your comments. Uh, questions you have for us, uh, things you want to add to our podcast, please feel free, and we look forward to joining you guys next time. All right, take care, guys. This has been another production of the Big Goat Belt Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at BGB Group or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Belt. Email us at BigGoldBeltGroup at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Thank you.